the folks that have still still stayed with us throughout this day. Mm -hmm. We are very thankful for your participation and your questions. Um, we are very excited for our next presenters. We have Starburst with us. Um, so I'm going to get into my little uh, spiel and then we'll do some introductions and kick it right over. So my name is Kalia Garrido and I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. If you don't know us already, we are a data and analytics services company. We are a group of passionate data activists and we're on a mission to modernize the world of data. We do this in two different ways. The first is that we have our services arm at gdminnovationlabs.com. And this is where we do strategic planning and the education, the deployment of critical data projects. And then over on the other side of the house, that's greatdataminds.com. This is where we have our events and our community and our content. Um, thought leadership is happening on this side of the house as well. Um, and the events are just, just like what we're doing today. This is our fourth annual Tech Matters Marathon. It's one of our annual marquee events and we are thrilled to do it. So a little bit of housekeeping, of course, this is a webinar, cameras and mics are off, but we want to hear from you. And this group already knows, get in that chat, share your insights, share your links, um, your questions, your comments. Uh, you can also use the Q&A. And then at the end of the session, we'll save a little bit of time for um, more of kind of an interactive Q&A. So the way it's going to go is this. We're in the banter and intro part of this session. This just takes us a couple minutes. From here we go, um, Emma will take us through um, 15, 20 minutes intro to the company, share some more insights and information about who Starburst is and what they're up to. And then we kick it over to Vishal for maybe 15, 20, 25 minutes of a demo. Um, the last few minutes is reserved for a Q&A and this whole thing should take us right up until um, about 45 minutes. We'll do a short break and then we'll move on to our last session. Um, very brief introductions, my partners in crime. We have Julie Burroughs, she's our CEO. She's our, our visionary, she's our, our wild woman. We gotta try to keep her corralled. We keep her reined in, it's a rough job, but Mike and I are up to it. So that's what mm -hmm. we do. Um, Mike Lampa is our chief analytics officer here at Great Data Minds. He is our, he, he's our great data mind. He's like the, he's the, the, fir, the original great data mind for us. The team is strong, of course, and all of our advisors and tech partners, but it always comes back to Mr. Mike Lampa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and today from Starburst, we have Emma. Emma, how do I pronounce your last name? Lulo. Great question. <laughs> Lulo. It, yes. it says Lulo. I don't know why I stumbled. It's Emma Lulo. She's with us and she's a senior product it. marketing that's manager a, at Starburst. That's a cool name. Um, that, that tops Collis McGeechee of my favorite wow. names. <laughs> is, uh, I, I, do, I do have pride in my name. <laughs> I like it. I like it. One of my, one of my besties is, uh, her name is Luciana, but we call her Lulu. So it's very close. And I, have, and I hold her in a high regard. Um, and then, of course, we have Vishal staying with us. He is the head of product, data products, and data governance at Starburst, and he will be taking us through the demo. And so with that, I turn it over to Mr. Mike Lamp, and I welcome everybody to this uh, session. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Emma, Vishal, thanks for joining us. So, Julie Burroughs, we've been talking aha moments, and here comes another one. Right. right? Now, this one had a little bit of a twist for me, as you know. Julie, mm -hmm. when I first saw the, you know, the whole write-up around data mesh and the underlying you know, movement, and then I saw this technology come out, I scratched my head and said, oh my gosh, they're really going to turn the data warehousing world upside down. This is going to be it. No more data warehouses. Um, and I'm finding more and more of being a convert there. 
you know, I'm an old data architect. I mean, I made a living building data warehouses. Now I can't do it anymore. Um, but we got an amazing technology uh, for people to see here today, Jules. And, and uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Here's my thought. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Goodbye, Data Federation. Hello, Analytics Query Accelerators. Okay, <laughs> so even Gartner, when these guys came to market, even Gartner had to change their whole quadrant and who plays here and everything. But mm -hmm. I will tell you that we are working with these guys on a, with a couple of projects and it, the people come in and they go, well, we're going to go to the no doubt and we're going to, you know, all of that traditional federation stuff. And we have this um, chart, ping me if you want me to see it, but the comparison between those older tools like Denodo and mm -hmm. the cool stuff that's being um, done with Starburst. So I, you guys are probably going to say this, but this is Trino. Um, and and I will tell you that we are, like I said, working with a couple of clients right now. And it's amazing with some of the work they're doing. I know mm -hmm. um, we are about to go live with these guys on a cloud conversion project for a very, very large gold company. And um, I, I'm sitting, I sit on the standups every day and the <laughs> stuff they're able to do is just amazing. So yeah. I think everyone on the call will love this technology. I agree, I agree. So Emma, Vishal, we would like to turn that over to you. Yeah. Great, and do you mind if I share my screen? We would love for you to share Perfect. your screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think you guys actually teed it up better than we possibly could have. Um, I know at the start of the call, when you said you're on a mission to modernize data architectures, it's just so perfect because we're on a mission here to modernize data lakes. Um, and so we'll we'll get into a little bit of how we do that and why Starburst was founded here today. Um, and then Vishal will really show you how it's done. So excited to take some time there. Mm -hmm. But um, we can skip the agenda slide. I feel like everyone has an agenda slide. I did <laughs> want to start with a pop quiz. I'm glad that this group is is vocal because I wanted to ask, oh my gosh, it wasn't a build slide. But what do all these logos have in common? Well, they actually all run on Trino. So I know, um, Julie, you mentioned that a ton of the biggest names today are using Trino. It's been a technology that has been around for about a decade now, if not a little bit over a decade. And we are seeing it used in some of the largest internet scale companies around. So you'll see AWS on here, you'll see Instacart on here, Red Hat, Stripe, et cetera, you name it, um, and it's on here. And the reason why I bring this up today is because Trino underpins everything that we do. And I'll talk a little bit more about the Starburst-Trino relationship in a couple slides. But just for anyone who's not necessarily familiar with Trino, this was formerly known as Presto, and it was created at Facebook in 2012. The original project that it was created for was querying a 300 petapite Hadoop cluster. So there wasn't any technology for that at the time. It was a huge challenge for these Facebook engineers. And they actually ended up building this SQL query engine to query large data sets that were distributed over one or more data sources. So you'll see here in the, in the diagram where it kind of fits into your architecture. And Trino really reaches across all types of data connections or data sources. So we like to say that the center of gravity and any of the architectures we support is really that data lake. And we help you activate that data in and around your lake. And, and Trino is the technology that was originally built to do this. And then within your, your tech stack and how you're consuming all of that data, we have all of our BI integrations and client support. And all of this is with our open source Trino offering. 
And just to put this, put numbers behind it, I, you know, I, I love logos, but at the end of the day, I think we're all data professionals here. So we want to see the data. These, these large companies, you know, four out of the five FANG companies are using Trino at scale today. And the scale of these numbers is, is huge. And all these companies, you can actually go out and Google different talks that they've done at our Trino summits. Um, they've, they've spoken about how Trino really just is the query engine trusted by industry leaders at, at petabyte scale. The problem that, that we're facing and the problem is that it, not every company is the Netflix of the world. Not every company has you know 100 plus data engineers and platform administrators and a huge team behind the build it mentality that Trino requires. And so the founders of Trino started to run into these questions from the community about the amount of resources it takes to run successfully. We know Trino is a great query engine, but at the end of the day, it was limiting and who could adopt it because there was a lot of manual management, there was no built-in security controls, and there wasn't a support team. So this required a, a lot of work from the engineering team that was wanting to deploy this open source technology that's where Starburst comes in. So the, the founders of Trino actually came together across uh, Facebook and Teradata, and they founded Starburst first as a support company. So helping companies through their Trino deployments, giving them best practices, and then actually turning it into a product to make Trino an out-of-the-box, easily consumable query engine even if you aren't the Netflixes of the world to kind of give you that power. And that's what I, I think is so cool. And part of the reason that I joined Starburst today is it's really about bringing data analytics at scale to you know, the companies that might not have the resources to, to handle this all themselves. And so I wanted to take a second here and, and kind of talk about where we see Starburst fitting in. And what we like to call ourselves is a data lake analytics platform. At the end of the day, we do believe that the center of gravity falls around a data lake. You know, we talk about data warehouses, we talk about legacy data lakes, data lake houses now. And at the end of the day, we're the largest data teams are producing so much data that there's going to need to be still some center of gravity. However, we recognize that centralization is hard. It is something that takes many months to do, and it's also at the end of the day, a goal that is not only a, not necessarily achievable by data teams. You're always being asked to add new data sources, your application developers are you know, spinning up new instances of MongoDB, or they're integrating with the latest IoT technology, and so you have new sensor data coming in, and all of that is being asked to be put into your you know, Tableau dashboards for data consumers at the end of the day. And so you, as the data engineer, are tasked with not only managing a data lake, but all of the sources around it. And so what we really do is, is sit between that data lake layer and those other data sources to enable a wide range of use cases. And we laid out a couple here, but I think it's important for you all to understand before Vishal really talks about the product itself, the principles and the actual solutions behind it. So you can see here, we're integrating across all of these different data source types, but we really, at the end of the day, allow you to query the data in and around your data lake analytics platform. And so the benefits of our approach are, are fourfold. You know, we 
we operate around these pillars, our product team builds around these pillars. And so really they're, they're the underpinning of everything we do because we believe that the data landscape is so complex and there's so much data sprawl happening today that we want to make it as simple as possible. And I think when we talk about simplicity and the fastest path from data to decision, what we really mean here is making things easy to, to deploy, manage and use. And we're applying those principles at a global level. So not just at a per data source level, but again, at that higher level that reaches across not only your data lake or your data warehouse, but also to your real-time operational data source, um, or maybe you have some smaller database that you haven't touched in a while, an old archiving solution. We wanna be able to connect to, to all of those. And that's really where access comes into play. So when we're thinking about access, not only do we wanna let you access all the data your company has in an easy manner, but also we want to allow you to govern that approach. And so we do offer a single point of access and governance across all of your data sources to really simplify that. Um, and then the last two points really come to not only addressing the needs of your architecture today, but also addressing the needs of tomorrow. So we meet you at your scale today. We help you operate efficiently and at whatever scale you require. But then you saw what Trino Engine could do for the largest data-driven companies in the world. And so you can trust us that we will be able to scale up with you without experiencing um, lots of latency or poor performance or breakage. And then last but not least is optionality. And I think this is really where we hang our hats. The data world's always changing. We're always seeing new open table formats. For example, with the emergence of Iceberg, we're seeing new file formats come out. There's always going to be that next step of optimization. And we wanna provide you optionality at every level. So when we talk about building your data lake, we actually integrate with all external table formats and we don't even consider them external ourselves because we don't handle the storage layer for you. So you can own your data and we will handle the compute. And at the end of the day, you can change your underlying architecture or future-proof your architecture with us because you have control over every layer of the stack. And so I just wanted to, again, I'm a numbers person. I can talk at all of you and give you all these great, you know, marketing words and jargon, but like, let's talk results. Let's talk what we've seen from other companies. And this is really what we've seen some, from some of our largest customers. I mean, we've seen 96% faster time to insight at one of the largest banks in the world. We've seen a lower total cost of ownership from Slack. We've seen, seen 10 times query performance from DoorDash. So we're talking every single level of the results you wanna see in your data teams from not only quicker query results to lower total cost of ownership, we are helping unlock this for all sorts of companies across all industries. And so um, this slide just really makes me excited and makes me feel really passionate about our solution that we're showing you here today. And so last but not least, we do have two flavors of Starburst that we offer. Um, today, we'll be talking about Starburst Galaxy, which is our fully managed version of our data lake analytics platform. We also do have Starburst Enterprise, and that's what you would be managing, but it does come with a lot of enhanced connectors. It still comes with the 24 seven support services. Um, but today, and what we really see as the future is our Starburst Galaxy product that is built on Trino and it is fully managed 
It runs across all three clouds. You have all the features that you need to scale and scale efficiently, including auto scaling, idle shutdown. And then on top of the platform controls, we also added a seamless layer of governance. So if you're wanting to use built-in RBAC or ABAC, end-to-end um, -end encryption, you can trust that your data is safe with us, which I know is always a question when you're moving to SaaS or to the cloud for the first time. Mm. And last but not least, we, we provide integrated capabilities at each layer of the kind of jobs to be done with your data lake. So we offer great data discovery tools as well as great data consumption tools. And then we integrate with some of the you know, leading providers of data engineering today. So DBT, we just had a huge launch with them with their cloud pr product, but we wanna make it as easy as possible for you to not only find your data and move it into your lake, but also transform that data into your land structure and consume tables and prepare that for consumption from your end consumers or your analysts. So this is our end-to-end our -end vision. We have a lot of exciting features that we'll, we'll demo here today, but wanted to kind of set you up with first what Trino is for those of you who are unaware, why Starburst was founded and why we're so excited to be here today and some of the real results that we've seen with some of our customers. And last but not least, and on kind of this overarching vision of where Galaxy's at today and what we're adding to this more and more. Um, every minute and honestly like more times uh, a week than I can keep track of as the product marketing manager, which is always fun. Um, but it's it's a great product and and we're excited to show you the the demo now. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Emma. Cool. All right, Bashar. Let's Emma. get it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Emma. I'm gonna share my screen. Uh, make sure I got the right screen. Let me know if you all can see Galaxy. We sure can see it. Let's awesome. Go. Um, so uh, I'm going to go through during my demo. Uh, and again, I somehow I lost the video, but that's okay. Uh, but I'm going to go through the demo. And then if there are like uh, on using three personas, so you can see I'm using different personas and account admin uh, who can see all the data sets across as Emma was talking into different sources, which are connected. Also, I'll use the manufacturing persona who are who actually doesn't have to see all the data set, but only the data sets they are allowed to have access to. And also an external persona called vendors who are just being asked to come in in the organization and work through some set of uh, problems and uh, working uh, with the manufacturing department to uh, enhance the capability they are working with the platform. I'm going to go to the uh, account admin and before I actually go into different feature set, I just want to actually go through what Galaxy has to offer overall. Uh, first, uh, you can see you can connect to all the catalogs. Uh, I mean, I think catalog with different data sources. You can see your data source could be on AWS, on Azure, on Google, and different data sources like Snowflake and Synapse or Tableau, uh, you know, other sources. In Galaxy, as, as you connect the data source, as you said, like we are a query engine, but we also provide data cataloging capability. So even though as soon as I connect my data source and when I create a catalog, you get an option to create a catalog through S3, Azure, Google, Tableau, or the different sources we support, which is the Redshift, Naps, Elasticsearch, and others, and a few more coming soon in the future. But the moment, and I'm gonna skip connecting the catalog itself, but the moment you connect the catalog, you can search the catalog. But what I mean by that, I can actually type 
customer or CUST. And as I type a keyword, it actually goes through all the connections you have in Galaxy, whether the Azure Lake, BigQuery, or even AWS, or even Table, and give you where the keyword exists. It could be in Redshift. It could have same table existing in multiple places. So having a quick visibility into all the data sets in single view is really powerful. Even before you run the query, you can understand where your data exists. Not just that, you can also actually do search from here, which we have a full search capability. And as you type a customer here, he also gives you similar information and you can view the results and actually also do some, some more filtration on the result itself. Our look, which has been owned by manufacturing, has tag manufacturing, which is just owned by math or just owned is owned by different account admin. So you can do all kind of filters to even find the data set to the level of column views, tables, schemas, or data products, which I'm going to talk in the end. You can just do a full search before even write the query so that you're not recreating the same data set and able to find all the workloads which are being accessible to the user or the role I'm signing as. Now let's go through the couple of things we have in Galaxy. One is the query editor. Uh, we have a full rich query editor where one can write the federated query and write the full query and get the results. As you write the query, which you can say I'm writing the query federating across S3, Redshift, Snowflake, and Postgres, I can get the results out of it right away. And as a user, not only I can get the results out of it, I can save that as a call data products. And if I go to a saved query, I can see there's a, there's a query named as data product, and I can share this query with different roles. I can share the query with different organization, with manufacturing, with public, and also share as who can edit and collaborate with me on the query, or just wanna share who can just run the query, but no have an option to actually edit the query itself. Go back to the query history. Uh, I can see like I ran the query right now, uh, which was the federated data set across different sources. And as I run the query, I can do the who ran the query, uh, which role the query ran for. I can look at advanced sources. Like you can see that the query ran through the all different sources. But as Emma was talking, like you, my bulk of the data actually sit into the lake. So you can see that this is where the bytes were read, but also you can understand where exactly what kind of sources we are pulling and how much data is being read from different sources as you write the query itself. And the full query plan and stages are available if you want to understand the details around the query itself. So it's, 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 it's a place where not only the consumers can come and write the query, but also data engineers can understand how the query is executed against the different sources assigned or where the query is running against. One of the most amazing piece of the Galaxy is, as I can say, you can look at all your data sources, but at the same time, you can look at all your clusters. I can create a quickly a cluster in, in Galaxy and the cluster can exist into, uh, let's say into a different cloud. For example, I can define the cluster uh, the reason to be into AWS. I can define this to be in Azure or depends with the GCP. So as a user, if you have data into Google, Azure, AWS, you don't have to go to three different console to manage your uh, execution. You can just stay in Galaxy and you can actually run different cluster. You can see this Azure is running into the Azure cloud. Going back, the AWS is running into the AWS cloud. So you, we are running the cluster in the right region based on where data sources are. 
So you can manage multi-cloud clusters in the single screen instead of actually switching into different, uh, different uh, screens uh, for managing those clusters. Going back uh, to, to more into the account level uh, things, we have the full audit. As I change the description, as I actually do some kind of discovery, we will have the full information into what has happened. You can not only, as you said, like not on the cluster side, you can not only run the cluster, but one of the things we have done on the cluster side is the, the cluster configuration. What I mean by that, we do have auto scaling on the cluster. Let me actually go back to the cluster here. I can define on this cluster, I believe this one, if I go to edit, you can define that what is your minimum and max of the cluster looks like. And based on that, your cluster will actually auto scale from min to max. At the same time, you can see this cluster is in the suspended mode. So what we have also done is an either shutdown time of hour. If we don't see a query running for an hour, the cluster actually suspend itself. But there's a different use case. The different use case, what if, I don't want the cluster to shut down between eight to five because that's where most of my organization is actually working. I don't want the cluster to, so it should be always warmed up. So what we have done that you can actually create the configuration of the cluster where it will always be running between eight to five and it will go to the shutdown mode during the night mode. But if you are running the query in the night mode, then indicate the cluster will automatically run. Uh, if this is going to the cluster configuration. You can create a schedule on the cluster itself, when the cluster should be running, when the cluster should not be running. And based on that, the cluster will get warmed up, also respecting the auto scheduling, uh, sorry, the, uh, on the, uh, the cluster itself. We have three different types of clusters too, and I'm gonna go through that too, which is the standard fault tolerant and accelerated. The different type of standard is based for, for the ad hoc way. That's where you know the Trino fault. But we also have customer, the customer like uh, Salesforce who have been using the Trino for the ad hoc and for the fault tolerating, sorry, for the batch workload. In that case, you can create a cluster. Since this is a free mode, let me actually change it to here. You can create a cluster as a fault tolerant cluster. In this case, we ensure your query never fails. And this is mainly meant for the any kind of transformation or ETL workload where we ensure there are retries built in the cluster itself. So anytime the query com comes in, we will ensure the query always finishes till we get the results out of it. Then the last mode we have, which is actually in preview is called accelerated mode. What we have done, we, we actually did an acquisition uh, last year called Verada. We have taken the technology which was built by Verada and put into the Galaxy. What we do, we create a different kind of cluster with the SSDs in it. In that, we are the, the technology built in based on what kind of queries you're writing and what kind of uh, the filter you're doing on the query itself. We are smart enough to index those, uh, uh, the, the partitions and also where the data exists. So when you're rerunning the queries again, then the, your queries are a lot faster because we actually do smart caching on where your data exists into solid state drive, which are running with the accelerated mode itself. Going back to here, uses billing, you have full billing information. You can also understand how the people are using it. Uh, you can invite users, you can get complete full information on the users itself. We also have single sign-on and SCIM support. So you can actually add single sign-on, in fact, configure SCIM. SCIM is really powerful because you can even manage your groups into single sign-on and use those groups to assign the roles into Galaxy itself. 
So if you have the SCIM enabled in Galaxy, then you will see all the groups actually within the Galaxy coming itself. And by based on those groups, every time you create a role, you can assign the group to that role. Then in that way, you can actually manage the permissioning between your um, uh, single sign-on or Okta provider with the roles being created in Galaxy. Again, uh, we uh, have an API support, which comes with the API token service account. And last but not least, we also support the attribute-based access control, where you can create tags, and instead of actually adding very fine-grained control privileges, which you can definitely do, you can create tags and maintain the policies based on those tags itself. So we support both RBAC and ABAC. On the RBAC side, you can actually come in and create different policies, but I can also define the policies saying that if somebody has a tag data products or somebody has a tag data pharma, what is their scope looks like and what they can do. Not just that, we can allow different kind of privileges into like allow and deny. So not only you can actually say that select from the created table, but let me actually go back and show into the different role. You can even actually get I me mean, manufacturing role. If I go look at the policies, like this person, if I actually has a PII information, then deny access to this select from the table. So you can actually create privileges at one time instead of creating privilege again and again. And once you actually add a deny privilege or actually add a PII, that table which automatically will be denied for manufacturing. Going back, we on the AWS side, we uh, for the AWS configuration, we actually take security very seriously. So we have cross account, cross IAM role permissioning. We also have private link. On the Azure, uh, similar thing, we actually have the SSS channel and Azure service principles. And for GCP, we also pre actually provide SSS channels to connect to the, your data sources in GCP. So this is on a higher level on the what Galaxy has to offer, but let's actually look at the practice. What happens if I actually create this data source and I want to share this data source with different organization? I'll, before I go into this, like I can actually run the query and also create the data product out of this query itself. What I mean by that, like in the organization where manufacturing and vendor exist, you will see that they do not have access to the, all the data sources as, as the uh, account admin had. The, and sales vendor, vendor does not have access to all the data sources. In this case, you can always take a query and convert a query into a data product without actually exposing and giving access to people to S3 Lake, Redshift, or Snowflake itself. If I go into data product screen, I'm gonna take an example of pharmaceutical manufacturing here. And uh, let me look in data for product. If you look at the, even the manufacturing has access to four data products while the account admin has access to one, the, to all the data products in the organization. If I look at the pharmaceutical manufacturing uh, account admin and, and manufacturing can actually understand, have the exactly same view of what this data product is supposed to do. They can look at the summary description and uh, different data quality control and where the source is coming from. I can also actually go look at the view schema and you'll see this, this data product is part of the S3 and it's actually at the different uh, tables and views are part of this data product. There are three different tables. If I go look into the manufacturing itself, I can see that I have access to this data product two and three different tables. Let's actually check this out from the side of the vendors too. If I go into data products, vendors also have access to pharmaceutical manufacturing. And if I view the schema, 
we'll see that vendors just have access to one table for this data product, while the marketing, who is also see manufacturing, who is also the owner of this the data product, has access to all the tables in the data product. We have created a rule where we are saying that, and I can show the rule quickly too in the rules and privileges. If you look at the vendor information uh, and look at the policies, what we have done, we have created a rule saying that anytime there's a data product and there's a, there's a, there's a call tag called vendor.customers.vendors, in that case, it will always have access to that data set. So what we've done is like anytime the table actually called customer.vendor, that table will automatically be exposed to the vendors. Let's add this tag here, customer.vendor. I am not adding any access, giving access to the, to the uh, vendors, but I'm actually just adding a tag because I've already created a privilege on how the tag should be managed and who should be able to see the tags. If I go back again on the vendor screen and refresh this table, you will see that vendors are getting access to that table too. Now vendors have access to store sales too. So within a few seconds, since I know as I tag on my data set, you can control and go on at scale based on who is getting access and also manage the, the ability into who has added the tags because we do have auditability into manufacturing was able to add the tag or the store sales. If I go back and look into customer, you can see that in the customer information, I have access to birth of date, birth month, birth year, but I believe that birthday is, is a PII information and any one vendor from outside coming should not have to see the data set, even though vendors have access to customer information. But if I go look into the columns of the vendor, you will see that the birthday column is actually missing from the vendor itself because you have actually added a PII and we have created a policy that anytime PII is added, anytime external audience should never be able to see that column itself. For the demo, I'm gonna add a PII information here too on the, uh, the birth month. And as I add the PII on the birth month, you will see that if I refresh it, the vendor will not be able to see that column even exists. So you can even control that what column has access to what by just one screen. Let me, so a few more uh, capabilities on the, the, uh, the governance side of it. As manufacturing, one thing I talked about the cluster itself, you will see the account admin has access to all the clusters in the organization. But if I go to manufacturing, manufacturing does not have access to all the cluster, but only have access to clusters they have been granted by account admin. But account admin is not in a place where they can create clusters for every team and every organization uh, in, the in, in, the, in the company. So what they have done to manufacturing, that instead of actually creating cluster for manufacturing, I have given manufacturing permission to create their own cluster. So as a manufacturing, I can come in and I can select one of the, the data sets which I have access to, and I can create my own cluster, which is called a test, and uh, let's call it free uh, cluster and uh, on the cloud region. You can see that one of the Azure is selected because the catalog which I'm using is from Azure and create the cluster. As I created this cluster, if I go back into the, into the account admin, account admin can see that there's a cluster created. And if I actually look on the cluster, you can see the owner of the cluster is manufacturing. 
So we also assign the ownership based on who has created the cluster and which department the cluster is coming from. So even though as an account admin, I maintain the full visibility into what's happening in the organization, I don't have to really do the work for every team. At the same time, if I go to the vendors, vendors do not have ac access to create clusters. In that case, they only get the clusters which have been given permissioning to them. And based on like, as you can see, tests, they also have permission to use tests. Now let's talk about a few more capabilities. One of the things which we have also added recently is the schema discovery. So what we've also done in, the, in, in Galaxy is that you don't necessarily always know have access, all the data been registered into the uh, Hive or Glue or different Metastore. This is why being as a, as a part of the data lake, we have added a capability called schema discovery, which can run either on the S3, uh, Google or Azure Lake. And you can create, create a file system calls uh, here, the, uh, let me change this to the shawl. And you can actually provide S3 GCS or Azure bucket and run discovery out of it. What it does is goes back to that bucket in S3 and cross across all the files in the bucket who can actually uh, and find those tables and see that you know, the new 10 new tables were discovered. I can create these tables or I can actually go into it and see that all the tables were in the uh, ORC format. I can also quickly preview the tables, what columns came out of it. So not only you can see what data were already is registered, but you can also go and scan those data set and create those tables. One of the best thing which I really like, as you create these tables, you can see the results and I hope uh, the tables now are created, otherwise give me an error. But one thing we also failed they've done is that as you create the tables, the tables can easily be searched through our the global search capability, while in any other data cataloging capability, when you create the table, and by the time you search those, there's a lag. Because being we being the query engine, when you create and discover the schemas and create the tables to be queried, everyone in the organization not only can see those tables, but they can actually take the advantage of of actually using our full capability of where the table is and how it can be queried. The last thing which I wanna say is the, uh, the connectivity itself. So what I mean by that, even though we talk about the decentralization, one of the biggest piece which Emma captured was that the data lives in multiple places which means that I can actually have a data set in Snowflake, I can have a data set in Lake, I can have data set in Postgres. But how do I actually understand which are the business approved data set in the organization? And that's why data products is one of the key components being delivered. You can see that here in the customer 360, this data set actually exists into S3 Lakehouse. And if I go back and if I look at the AWS uh, COVID, or like, let me actually look at the better data. This actually also in the S3 Lakehouse. The point being is that you will actually have different data that can live in different places. This is an Azure, but this having a single screen where your data could be in multiple places, but you're actually given a chance to view all your approved data set across all different systems in single place and write queries against it. Not just write the queries against it, but you can also get that, uh, what if I wanna use DBT or Looker or Metabase or Power BI and what different tools I want to use to consume that data set. 
We also provide the optionality to use your tools to consume the data set, while we also have the great uh, query editor where you can actually build and write the queries against the data set right here. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, that, that was the demo. I'm going to stop share and uh, let me know if there are any questions. There were. Let's see here. Uh, first one, <clears throat> excuse me, from Emmanuel, who has been very vocal. Thank you, sir. Um, so uh, what he surmises and thinks is that when um, Starburst issues the SQL, um, that he suspects the data is being brought back to the Starburst cluster to perform the joins and the transforms. And, um, and if so, then there's probably some network pain. Um, are there any other kind of options? The great, great. So first, Emmanuel, there is no network pain. Let me start by saying that. One of the things we really do is that we do run the cluster exactly where your data is. Uh, as I showed in my demo, when I selected the Azure, all the options to select the cluster disappeared. We actually trying to find the cluster exactly in the same data center of the cloud. So for example, if you select the cloud source from US East 2, then we will actually force you to run a cluster in US East 2. But let me actually do a huge but. If there is a use case, if you're to do cross joint federation across cloud or region, we do that have an option. In that case, there is a network latency and there will be some egress charges. And, and then that's something we have in the private preview side of it too. But at the same time, like when you are just running analytics on the lake on anything, we create the cluster in the exactly same uh, data center where your data is. Awesome. A question around uh, masking. Does the masking um, exist only in the Starburst cluster or can Starburst push the masking down into uh, for example, Snowflake as a UDF. Uh, I, I don't. So I, I don't. Know. So masking exists on the Starburst side of it. I, we don't do push down into UDF. Uh, I don't even know. And this could be completely wrong. If Snowflake has masking or not. So that's something I have to figure that out. But mm -hmm. one of the reasons why not pushing the masking to the Snowflake, but actually keeping the masking in Starburst, because the security we take very seriously. It's the same way. It's like if you start actually messing up securities with the internal system, then we our hands can also get slapped by data governance and like why are you doing that? We want to become this engine where we also be the single source of security and not actually go change the security logic in the underlying and pinning data sources. Thus, it's actually easier to become to debug into where exactly the problem is coming from and also gives an authority to actually create a semantic layer and the logic over all the data sources. For example, you can actually write a query between Snowflake and Lake and Azure and create a view across different sources and still mask a column, which is a very unique capability Starbucks provide. While if you go to Snowflake and if you do push down, then actually can only happen on that source itself. Yeah, gotcha, okay. Um, can the uh, data schema be, um, like can attribute names be reassigned, like to give them or, or give them an alias or something like that, like change cust it's key to customer key? Um, if I, I mean, there's a two ways to assign it. One, you can always create a views and assign it. Uh, let me actually put it, that's one way to actually read. One of the things we are actually in our roadmap to actually assign the, the column name and the, uh, that actually part of the table itself, that cannot be assigned as the table side of it. But one thing we have done on the data product side of it, 
when you create the data product, you can always create the data product with more business side of the names. And that's where the data products comes in because you necessarily do not want to go change the name of the raw sources because that can actually create confusion over time. But you can always create a business layer on the top of the different raw sources and rename those. So uh -huh. this is why in those situations, we recommend using data products and actually changing the underlying table itself. Gotcha. All right. And one more around schema discovery. Um, so we can pull from S3 databases, probably catalogs as well, like AWS Glue or... Um, Absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, not just that. One, one thing I also said in schema discovery that one thing we are believe, core belief is that giving optionality and not vendor locking, even though we have a great platform. What mm -hmm. we mean, like you can actually run schema discovery, register those tables in Glue too. You do, we, we don't have to register in our meta store. You can actually run the schema discovery and you can register those tables in the Glue catalog or your own Hive meta store. And yes, tomorrow, and we believe you don't do that, but if tomorrow, if you actually do not want to use Starburst Galaxy, you still have all those tables registered into your Glue and Hive meta store. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, is there an automatic background process that's running to bring all that data together to detect schema changes? We, we do. So one of the things uh, we also have actually on Schema Discovery, we do have an APIs for that. Actually, funny, I uh, was released, but we have not exposed in the UI. Uh, the, we can actually schedule the Schema Discovery. Uh, what you can do is that you can actually say, like, run the Schema Discovery on Saturday night. And, and also, like, as you run the Schema Discovery, send you notification and email, uh, which is already there. So you don't really, one of the piece of the Schema Discovery or these kind of uh, background jobs, like, you don't really know when your data scientist team or when your different uh, transfer transformation team is driving, dropping the new files. What you can do is like over the weekend or something or based on every day, you can actually have a transformation logic. Not only we discover the new schema, but we also discover the changes in the schemas too. For example, if the table has come in new columns, we'll update just new columns. If the table actually uh, has disappeared, then we actually mark those tables as deleted. So we will actually mark the, uh, the change in the schema too. And the, uh, we are, the, our main uh, use case is that for these kind of tasks, we do. We want to avoid the human involvement, but we also want to ensure that that the person is aware of all the things happening. Thus, you can actually automate the process while getting full visibility into when things were discovered and when things were not. One of the things we are adding this quarter is the on the evolution of schema. Is here that like over the time you can also understand what table was discovered when and what tables are actually evolved over time. So that's also coming as an evolution of schema. Again, not just on the lake, but all the data sources which is connected within Starburst Galaxy. That's awesome. That's gonna be huge. I mean, how many times have you been burned by that, right? And yeah, exactly. Getting surprised by a change. Well, that, those were the questions. Thank you. You did a great job, Vishal. Uh, yeah. Emma, Emma Lulu, you did a great job. <laughs> you both did no, great. Thank you so yes. much for having us. It was, uh, it was yeah. great. There was one more He's question from Eman Emmanuel. I, I can take that too. Is there oh. a client SQL server like JDBC for server that support expand SQL from a support databases? Yes, uh, if I understand the question correctly. We, 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 I mean, that's my team actually working on it. Any kind of JDBC, ODBC, uh, even all kind of drivers, we actually have dedicated connected with Tableau, Power BI. Uh, we have gonna, we have dedicated connected with Hex and different uh, notebooks too. So. Uh, yes, I mean that—that that is something we really pride on. Great. Awesome. Wonderful.
Thank you for Thank the questions. Thank you so much, everybody. That was wonderful. Great interaction. And then I, I'm just loving the energy. This Emma mm -hmm. and Vishal team is like a, it's like a, mm -hmm. this is great. It's very awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank All right, you guys. To the audience that is stuck with us. Um, we are going to go on our final break and we're coming back at the end of this with Google Generative AI. Uh, we are really excited to see this. Um, this is a one this is a one and done shot. I will let everybody know that this that, that our final session will not be recorded because things are moving and changing in that world so very fast. So if you do want to join, absolutely stay on the line um, and we'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Again, thank you so much, Starburst. This was wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you in a minute. Yeah.